You are listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for their customers in pursuit of their passion. We share our views and experiences relating to hospitality, technological trends, and also relating to humanity. Here is your host, Sam Eric Rutman. This week we have Michael Haddad. He is with the United Nations Development Program and, and Arab State Goodwill Ambassador for Climate Action. And uh, also he's an endurance athlete. I think that's one of the key, key things about his activity. And he's holding three record-breaking athletic feats, which is uh, amazing. So we will have uh, some interesting discussion today with Michael. So welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, for having me on your prestigious show. And I'm very happy to be talking to you today and to all your listeners and viewers. Well, uh, the pleasure is mine. And uh, we had the pleasure of meeting uh, last summer uh, briefly, and I got so inspired about what you've been doing. So I thought, uh, I think it would be, we must have an opportunity to discuss here online so we can so you can, uh, we can have a discussion of some very important uh, issues which is affecting the global and everyone else. And as a, uh, a, a climate action goodwill ambassador, you are having a very important role in bringing the, the hope and also the necessity that uh, how leaders and everyone should take action to prevent the, what disaster that might be happening. So uh, let's start with uh, Michael, your, your story, because the, the audience will be very interested to understand uh, about what you have been going through. And the first thing I, I was really touched, I saw a picture on your website, uh, which you are, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years old, sitting in a wheelchair, and you're smiling. And I was wondering, how could a boy at that time smile and have hope for the future? So I'm very interested to know how did you overcome your disability? And maybe you can also share what happened to you. Well, actually, Sam, your questions are so deep and smart. And I believe uh, telling my story with such, you know, uh, a deep uh, answer will take a lot of time. And maybe we need one episode uh, dedicated for that. But uh, to be brief and to save time, because... Um, I'm sure that you have prepared a lot of important topics for today. Uh, I have to be brief. At the age of six, I, I, I suffered from a jet ski, from a, from a spinal cord injury due to a jet ski accident. I'm completely paralyzed from the chest down. And yet, with, with, with a process of thinking, a process of, if I may call it, never giving up, I managed to figure out a way to stand up and balance myself. And then I managed to figure out a way how to propel myself from one point to another. And Sam, and to all your listeners and viewers, when I say stand up and balance myself, I actually use an exoskeleton or an orthesis that holds my paralyzed body, which is from the chest down, in an upright position. It is, actu it is actually a brace, you know, that, that, that holds me. Because as you know, paralysis, I have each and every element of my body, but I do not control them because of my spinal cord injury. So using this bulky at the time, 14 kilo exoskeleton full of stainless steel that holds my body, I figured out 
a way to, to stand up and, and balance myself alone. Yet when I reached the stage, I also figured out a way, and this is this is this is when I when I when I mention figured out a way, this is years and years of trials and errors. Just and years and years of figuring out the right way within a bouquet of, of a billion mistakes. So after figuring out a way how to stand up, I figured a way how to carry my body, lift it, and take it to another step, and then balancing myself on this other step. And then I took each and every step, and this was, you know, and here I want to thank Bodrum and the Bodrum Tourism Forum for, because this was the topic uh, of, of my intervention while in Bodrum. And, and here I cannot but also thank the Malta, Malta Tourism Forum who connected all of us together and chose me to be part of their brain network. So to make a very long story short, Sam, because this is the story of my life, figuring out how to overcome paralysis, figuring out how to stand using my exoskeleton and two crutches, figuring out how to take myself from one point to another and then balancing myself. And when I managed to do this, you know, I, I started taking myself thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of steps forward. And this triggered something in my brain and, and, and within the scientific community, uh, which when people first asked me, how can you do this, Michael? How can you do all of this? And then I told them, I don't know. I just was determined to do it. And then this is where the scientific study started. You know, how can a person that is paralyzed from the chest down stand and walk like Michael? And this is where it took us seven years to start answering this question. It's, all in, it's mostly in the brain. I managed to remodulate my brain to balance myself, lift myself, take myself from point A to point B through calculating, and then balancing myself again. So it is something called neuromodulation or the ability of the brain to rewire itself. And this is how, how all my story started. If we truly believe, if we truly are determined, we could engineer our brain to take something that in my case was considered impossible, from point A to point B. And Eric uh, or, and or Sam, if I want to say step or moving forward, in my language, it means through my upper body, which is the only 25%, I lift 105 kilos and I manage to stabilize those 105 kilos in each and every step based on a study by the American University of Beirut and the Lebanese American University who always, you know, accompany, uh, accompany me in such studies, it is times 32 times when it comes to the energy expenditure to a normal person. So if I do one meter forward, it means that you are walking 32. To make it simple. What do you wish you knew when you started, what, what do you wish you knew uh, when you started out? When you think, go back to how you have managed to reach uh, the performance level that you know now. You started in a situation where you 
you struggled, you managed to get up, take a step at a time. Are there something that you wish, oh, I wish I would have known that at that time, this would have helped me to uh, either perform better or make things in a different way? Or are you feeling that you have done, just follow the path that you expected to follow? Well, actually, to be honest, I, uh, Sam, I have to answer this question on, 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 on two faces, okay? The first phase is that I cannot tell you that I wish I knew something because in my case, there was no methodology. Uh, no, no one before me uh, introduced a, med a methodology for me to follow. So everything I have to discover from zero. Uh, every single thing and this is why i'm working with a scientific team so that to 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 document each and every failure that i had and how we overcome so that we could pave the way for others this is to be honest with you this is my story and and one of the things if yeah. you follow one of my documentary you see the scientific team saying we are understanding this yes. momentum and oh, this um, brainwave because mike is falling that much time was in he is falling that much time. He is failing that much time. To me, failure is my school because I cannot read a book to tell me what to do next. But if I want to answer your angle from a different perspective, because every single penny that I'm doing, every single penny, I'm investing in a scientific research to make the study go forward, to open the path for others in spinal cord injuries, to be more independent. And we actually reached a stage where we could prove that working with the brain could open many paths, especially the paths for all those people with spinal injuries. Especially this path. But if I am to advise myself but to then, go back in time and, and advise myself, his sauna, which we had, I wish uh, that I had the knowledge to invest more smarter by money, you know, in a more sustainable, eco-friendly investment, you know, to retain myself. Because a lot of things that what I do and what we do in life, we uh, we lose a lot of our money of, uh, uh, water with ice and that's how we let's say in an unsmart way that could and, uh, maybe uh, harm the environment that, uh, and when we say that, harm uh, the environment because in Bangkok, spiritually uh, speaking i believe that myself i believe that my spirit will never yeah. die uh, and at so the end of the day uh, if we are saving the planet we are saving our inner selves we are saving ourselves we are saving our children because we are part of our children and our energy is ongoing it is not fragmented we don't have a beginning we don't have an end we have this energy we have this power we have this this you know light inside us and 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 in investing in the right way Thinking about, always thinking about future, near future, long term, and mid term. So, if I want uh, uh, Sam to advise myself, I will advise myself to invest in the right way. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, people who have, uh, who have, do not have this ability, there are many people who are struggling in their life. Uh, they feel hopeless in facing and overcoming challenges. They are overwhelmed with uh, what we are facing now in the world, whether it's uh, the climate is changing or we have some 
countries who are uh, fighting each other. There's continuous this kind of attention going on. And as an individual and as a person, you know, we are hope hopeless there. What, uh, what advice would you give people that uh, they should, there must be some way you have to have hope. Maybe you have to be, uh, you talk about faith, determination, and hope many times. So is it something that you'd like to share that could give everyone hope who, uh, they can walk with both feet, the, the, both arms are working, but it's between their shoulders where it's, uh, they feel hopeless. Again, Sam, thank you for that question. And I believe that we could have our own, you know, episode to answer this question, but I have, I have to answer it in a very summarized way. One is that, and this is something that Sheikh Muhammad Al-Khalifa in the opening, when I did my first world record, actually, I did not update my, my website in Bahrain at the opening of the Paralympics. I was one of those people who, you know, did the 100 meter dash standing up, having a paralyzed uh, paralysis. This, uh, this is actually uh, a category that does not exist in the Paralympics, but we did it just to, to, to send a message. He said in the opening of the Paralympics that we are all, whether if we are not considered to be part of the category of people with disabilities or disabled people, we are temporary abled people. So whether we like it or not, we are reaching a stage of disability. So this is point number one. Point number two is that our mind and spirit and humanity within it exists a power that is unimaginable. If we are able to tap this power, in my opinion, nothing is impossible. I managed to tap into my spirituality and inner self and power and worked on myself using this formula of faith and determination because this power is not only related to the mind. It is related to a strong spirituality that we all feel each and every morning that is beyond inter interpretation. I managed to overcome something that is considered impossible in my oh, case. Oh, terrific. We got some uh, glimpses stand up here of different and walk. styles and... Uh... So uh, if I am a person that, that is paralyzed from that chest down, architecture and I manage to experience this power inside me, from the very everybody can. Have been used to in our time. So one, when uh, it comes so, to the general law, great. if we now, are not uh, suffering we from a current to, uh, disability, course, we are temporarily disabled people. What, what is and that? we all have our have issues. No idea, no clue, I, and I when we reach the stage of issues, then we have to realize that inside us, through our way of mind and our inner self, we have an unlimited power that if we smartly tap into, could directly transform what we consider impossible to be possible. And it is very simple. I actually did that and I managed to walk when everybody told me you cannot walk. And my, work, my walking process is considered an impossible process. It has been studied all over the world. But with faith and determination, I'm still doing it. And I'm doing it to prove that nothing is impossible if, if, we, if we use these elements. And moreover, I'm using it to raise the alarm because we as a human beings 
if we do not work together and look at things together in the smart way, we are reaching a stage that is beyond the red zone. And we have to act now. Yes. <laughs> Well, actually, uh, by, the, by definition, a UNDP goodwill ambassador is, is an honorary title given to those people that help the United Nations uh, uh, work on their agenda. As you know, that within the United Nations, there are 17 social development goals that this organization is working on for the sake of humanity to reach by 2030 whether it comes to human equality, to education, to climate, to water, to sustainable cities, 17 goals. And usually the United Nations choose people, celebrities from, 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 from all over the sports, acting, uh, many sectors in the world to help them work on, on their agenda. But I don't know why UNDP, with its amazing administrator, Mr. Achim Steiner, chose Michael Haddad with his story, a paralyzed person that is not much as a celebrity as many others, to help work on their agenda. So actually, um, it is not Michael Haddad who did. I was doing this advocacy before I was a UNDP Goodwill Ambassador. But maybe it is, you know, the wisdom and, and the insight of its administrator for the first time ever to choose someone like me to represent with great honor, their work in the region and the world. So actually, uh, Sam, if I want to answer this question, uh, it is not Michael. It is the wisdom of its administrator and team who decided to work with me on such an important project to highlight disability, inclusion, and climate action, because at the end, it is interrelated together. You know, there is a very strong relationship between people with disabilities, equalities, and the changing climate. That's quite interesting because it's actually yeah. uh, taking what, it to a different level over there that you have some lots of different sensations. You have the climate. sensation of viewing the, the office master, you have the sensation I of don't know if I could answer this question. And so that's kind and of I don't want to be actually yeah, 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 and uh, I don't want to be hard to or, go or to or uh, to sound fanatic. They last only for 10 minutes that you might uh, but the enjoy is times, but not only for once. Our food is in danger. Yeah. Our water is in danger. Climate change is not a point of view anymore. Point, uh, 
climate change is a threat for our, for humanity as 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 a whole. And I don't. I, I represent this. Um, I represent myself in this, but I believe that climate change will not wait for the future generation. We are witnessing it ourselves. And the thing is, if we are not aware, and if we reach this point of no return that our Secretary General is always raising the alarm on, and I believe we are nearing this point of no return, this is a very big bill that our children were, are unable to reverse. So climate change is affecting us in our food, is in affecting us in our well-being, is affecting us in our water, is affecting our, will be affecting our children, definitely. Is affecting us in our peace building is affecting us in everything. And again, I will tell you, Sam, climate change is not a point of view to discuss. Climate change yeah. is a serious how, matter how has this, of course, uh, that is uh, encrypted been, now within our DNA. In, in Helsinki so far, because you have been and here if now. if we don't act year, now all together... That, are there some of the, of course, performances or, or this kind of events going on here? We are entering this red zone. And when I say red zone, it is catastrophe in its elite meaning. Yeah, we are now. Uh, well, well, we are recording this in in the twenty first of October, and for people who are listening, they might be listening later on. Uh, they should be also aware that. Uh, uh, the Finnish president, Sauli Niinistö, is currently in Iceland. He was yesterday viewing the glacier melting, and uh, they have, they are part, the Nordic presidents, uh, Nordic countries' presidents are jointly together in this Arctic panel. And one of the statements that he made yesterday, or, or maybe before also, that if we lose the Arctic, we lose the globe. And I think that's really summarizing uh, the... What you just said, if we lose the Arctic, we Very lose good. the Now globe. we have the, there is a, but if you, my question really is that in, uh, in the major cities of public sound and every person in Helsinki, Earth, we have uh, a couple of them change. and um, more are coming. And actually, cities. So that could be, I, could know, I, I totally, I, I thank you again for this question. Uh, this and enhance the, the traditional I don't need to ask every single person. I just need, you know, to tell that each and every person could, could be this change. And if each and every person, through his or her votes or his or her action, could influence either another person or influence their decision maker to take action towards sustainability, green environment, and to counteract climate, uh, climate change, this is 90% of what they could do. Because yeah. climate action is related to the decision maker by 85%. This decision maker could take the decision on behalf of all of us or on behalf of who he or she represents 
to take positive steps yeah. towards concrete actions for the environment and climate. And here, Sam, there is a billion solution that could save our planet. It only takes one step forward that we, I, you, your neighbor, your wife, your daughter could take to save themselves and to save their generations to come. It is all related to the yeah, decision maker, my right. friend. We have been now talking almost about this decision maker about, uh, to take the right decisions the now. The evolution of the saunas. So, uh, why don't you share some of yeah. the top tips for then, uh, to have a great sauna we'll experience? So here we go. The next question in uh, topic is yes. that uh, you have an upcoming trip to Svalbard, uh, and uh, and uh, could you speak speak about this awake walk uh, to raise the awareness? Uh, uh, what is the plan at the moment? Uh, and just can you just help us to understand uh, the, this action that you are taking in, now in the future? Um, Eric, uh, or sorry, Sam, as you have said that the Arctic and the and the and the and the Arctic melt <laughs> is one of the most important indicators in the world that climate change is real and the clock is ticking. And also, we can in the future and through my upcoming documentary to discuss what happened to me from point one when we decided to walk or to take this initiative till, till this moment, and, uh, which is April, where we plan uh, to implement this walk. You could see what is happening to the world, whether COVID, whether the economical situation, whether the wars. But back to, to the first question is one, the Arctic North is a true indicator that climate change is real and the time is ticking again. And when you consider Svalbard, Svalbard, when it comes to the Arctic melt and the global warming, it's four times more affected than anywhere else in the world. And it is the last island on the north, an inhabitable island on the north. Moreover, within Svalbard, we have the, 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 the gene bank, which is the biggest bank to, prefer, to preserve seeds in the world. And to prove that this point on the planet is truly affected, this seed bank is in danger. And just to give you a very small brief, to prove that this seed bank in Svalbard is not theoretical. During the war in Syria, 200,000 types of seeds for the first time in history were extracted from the seed bank to be replanted in this region of the planet, which is Syria, Lebanon, and, 
and 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 Iraq. You know, it is it is the Arab state region. It is this region. And and just to zoom in also on this on this piece of information, the origin of wheat, which is the main source of bread, came from this region. So from the first time, for the first time ever, what we used to consider as theoretical, which is preserving the seeds for the future generation, maybe a hundred or a thousand years from now, happened five years ago. So if we weren't aware about this, and if humanity through the Nordic countries, through Svalbard, did not work on preserving those seeds, we would have lost those seeds by now. So to understand the magnitude of the problem, the importance of the importance of the Arctic melt, the importance of the Nordic region. This is why, Sam, I decided to walk there to raise this attention. And also being a paralyzed person from the chest down to walk this hundred kilometer track. In the words of the Lebanese American University president, when we, when we launched this project, he summarized the science behind it. He said, making a person like Michael Haddad paralyzed from the chest down, do such an initiative of 100 kilometers in the Arctic, in those temperatures, is exactly like putting a person to walk on the moon technologically. So from a personal perspective, I am offering myself as a lab for the science to study and to push this initiative forward to, to, to offer them a space to study the human mind, the ability, the artificial shivering, the recent technologies, and the failures that we will be facing. And moreover, to invite as many decision makers as I can yeah, to take I, I, action uh, under uh, the UN umbrella. Experience has, has been actually one is the, I am walking this hundred kilometers, my friend. Summer, summer nights to enjoy not the summer. It's a little bit uh, to say and anything of my own. Sit outside and just kind of. I'm going to walk this hundred kilometer to create the, a space to invite decision makers but, uh, from all over the world, and hopefully we will have people world. from Finland to join to, you put, uh, to discuss this climate agenda cold, but if you, and maybe minus degree, you put the to inspire the some people and to you, take uh, positive uh, actions forward. Snow, until you get to the and when I say pump some people, water, everybody, mostly must if, if, because if I'm not an a decision maker, freeze, I could influence my decision maker. We are all in this so together. Whole, whole sensation how and the there is nothing to stop us uh, from doing so. React to it. I mean, that gives your the blood is flowing. And you Very good. Uh, so, uh, so 100 kilometer is that's going to be the longest walk that you have ever done. Yes, in other terms, it is um, around, I'll be lifting myself around 500,000 times. This is why I'm training all over the time, all over, all over. <laughs> and I'm barely, you could barely catch me, you know, I'm very sorry for that. But for me to, to do this, I have to reach the levels of eight, eight hours of endurance. So I have to, to train eight hours per day. Well,
And more than that, when I walked um, the, the previous previously in the summer, five kilometers, it was equivalent to four marathons in five hours. So just do the numbers and imagine what 100 kilometers and how many marathons, it is equivalent to 80 marathons. So I'm taking myself as a human being in the Nordic, in the North Arctic, with this UN flag, so maybe people could hear me, maybe, maybe I will have friends like you that could join, because I'm doing all of this, not for an athletic or a world record, I'm doing all of this to invite people to talk. And so that when we yes. talk, when we think together, then we could influence the decision maker to take action. Very good. I have to be very practical now because you, we have, you talk very, very inspiringly. Uh, my first question is, what does your diet look like and how do you plan to stay warm in this walk? I mean, your diet, I mean, if you are having to, you're burning so much of your, your body, I mean, uh, there are special diets. Can you share a little bit of uh, what is it going to be uh, like? Yeah, Eric, each and every, sorry, Sam, each and every question is... Um, is a topic by itself. Here, it is not for me to worry because there is a huge team from the American University of Beirut that is working on my diet. But one of the things is that one is how to cool my system internally because as you know, I'm paralyzed from the chest down. So 25% of my body is, all, all, is only operational, which means I'm using only 25% of my fat storage, my glycogen level storage. That's why when you see me, I have this, if, if you saw my, my, my movie in Svalbard, you could see many sensors that are inside my body to, to measure my sugar and my sugar intake and my fat. So the thing is, uh, I'm giving them, you know, a, a bipolar personality for those people that are working with me at, 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 at that level. One, they have 25% of my body that is a, 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 an extreme athlete, and they have the rest of my body, which is 75, which is complete paralysis. And they have to figure out a way how to join both, both schools, a paralyzed person with a, an athlete with extraordinary abilities. So uh, this is something that is engineered by AUB. I will be sharing with you an article I believe that this is, uh, the, uh, here, I have to salute all those people that are working on, on that challenge. Because again, there is nothing, uh, there is no evidence or there is nothing like that, ha that that ever happened before. They have to test on me. They have to, 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 to understand the energy expenditure of such an experiment, combining two words. And we also believe that if they crack it, if they make me perform, we could take this somewhere. And again, there is always an invitation for all those people that will be listening to us from Finland, from the Nordic countries with their knowledge to join our team because I'm giving myself to all those people that are willing to learn free of charge just to make it happen so that we could give this for others. And it is not, it, it, and here there is a lot of learning. And Sam, to be honest with you, 
I have to be very honest with you. There is a very big space under the title we don't know. This has never been done before. I'm taking myself to this level and I have, we have to figure it out. There are strategies, there are worst case scenarios. They are all high level people with doctors, engineers. It is a multi-stakeholder team that are putting their brains together and engineering my performance with its nutrition, it is interrelated to the neurology, to the exoskeleton and to everything to, and to, together. Because here uh, there is the high, high, high temperature I overheat, even in, in zeros and minus fives degrees Celsius, I'm always overheating. You know, there is a lot of science and elements. Even if my skin is, is zero or four degrees, but my inner body temperature is raising to 38 when I'm performance to 39, and sometimes it is reaching 39.5 degrees. And the, this is also interrelated to the amount of energy that I'm eating. And as you know, that I'm strapped in, into an exoskeleton, so I cannot overheat. Yeah. Because part of my abdominals is under this exoskeleton. So we have to depend on the brain. We have to depend on the spirituality and on, on my team and all those people that I trust to make me do that. Very good. But you didn't answer my question. I want to know what, what kind of food you like to eat that keeps you healthy and in your training. It must be something that, uh, that uh, oh, Michael, I, ha I have to reward myself. I have trained so hard now. I train every day for this big mission. I wish I could eat this one. And what is that order that you like to eat? Uh, well, nothing beats my mother's, you know, lentil soup. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> That's special. Yes. And we have something also in Lebanon. We prepare it. It is a type of a soup that is called kishik. It is made from fer fermented milk and fermented yogurt with a combination of wheat where they sun dry it to a certain level and then they recook it. So this is, this is something I adore. So. Okay. Well, thank you. I finally got that answer. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> very good. Now, uh, you need to, uh, we've been talking very seriously about the very topic and very important topic, but uh, uh, we are now coming soon uh, to the closing of our podcast. Uh, I'd like you to share some funny story that you can share that has happened through your time in uh, work, uh, doing this. Anything you'd like to share to the audience? Uh, some funny story. As I, have, I have many funny stories, but one of the most funny story that I remember is when I did my first world record, my first world record was I, I, I walked 19 kilometers or the equivalent of 60,000 steps in the rough trail of the Lebanese mountains. And the purpose behind the story is that I was connecting two iconic forests. So if you, read, if, if, if you read the Christian Bible, you are always, I believe for 43 times it is mentioned, the God cedar forests of Lebanon. 
So when I looked at those forests and, and saw how much they are shrinking, I decided to take this trail, which is also a trail that is, uh, that, that, that is being implemented by the Lebanese Army Special Forces when they train. It is an elite train, very rugged train. And I decided to prove a point that nothing is impossible and it's time for us to think about Lebanon's reforestation and to reclaim what we have lost during the ages, especially it is mentioned in the oldest book on the planet, which is the Bible, one of the most oldest books, which is also in the Torah from the Bible, the Old Testament of the Bible. So uh, it took me three days uh, to do it, uh, actually, consecutive three days. I was working for 12 hours per day. Uh, lifting myself and concentrating on all of those stones, and and for the first uh, for the first uh, period, you know, they don't want to say no for me, the Lebanese army, because this is it is their trail, and they supported me theoretically. They thought that at the beginning of my trail, I'm going to give up for the for, because this is a very hard trail, and when they realized that I did not give up. And I already, on the first day, I walked 45% of, of, of the distance. On the last minute, they started working on all their logistics to provide for me the tents uh, and the important logis logistics to, to move forward. But, you know, when I finished this, uh, this trade, it was all over the news. They spoke about it. Many ambassadors came, cheered for it, especially people that are working on reforestation in Lebanon to save the world's most oldest forests. You know, the army co commander wanted to congratulate me. And when he, yani he, he came to me, he had an award. And, and at that time, it was under his patronage. And, and when I sat with, this, with, with the army, General John Ahwaji, with this army commander, who, was, who, who used to be the, 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 the commander of the Lebanese army, he told me, Mike, you are an incredible hero. You inspired me. Whatever you want from us, and this is the joke, I, I, we are always here next to you. And the first thing that came to my mind is that, General, I want something from you. And, I, and, and, and I'm prepared for it. And he said, Michael, what do you want? You know, in Lebanon, when you, when you, when you Google Beirut, you will see there is something called the Raushi rock or the pigeon rock. These are two rocks in the middle of our capital that are iconic to our capital in the middle of the world. And usually people uh, used to climb this rock to commit suicide from them. I told him, General, I want to train with the special forces to climb this rock. And when I first told him this, he did, his brain did not you know, acknowledge this. He told me, Michael, what do you want? I told him, General, I want to climb up the Raushi rock. And then he said again, Michael, what do you want? I told him, General, I want to climb up the Raushi rock. He did. He repeated this thing to me four to five times, till he finally asked me this question: "Tell me, how are you going to climb this rock?" And I showed him. We already tested the ropes, and this is where I got my second best record, which is climbing up the Sauron Shirak. <laughs> because he said, "Then if you want to do that, then do this, knowing." that you are the most crazy person that I have never met in my life. 
<laughs> that's good. That's a good good anecdote. Thank you, Michael. I have been in Beirut, so I know what, what we're talking about. So I, when I when I when I when you mentioned this, I see see the rock in front of me. That's quite uh, quite. Actually, good. it's online. Very good, Michael. Okay, I will make sure. Now, uh, the last question for you, Michael, is uh, if people would like to know more about you, where should they go? Where can they find you on online or internet? Uh, I, I'm, I'm very sorry, but I'm, I'm a little bit shy when it comes to social media. But eventually they could Google me on, 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 on my website, which is michaelhaddad.org. They could send me a private message. They could go on my you know, social media platforms. They could also send me direct messages and I will answer everybody. Well, uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to, to speak with you. And uh, I'm very much looking forward because now I can see that we have so many more episodes we have to make together. We only scratch the surface of each topic, but uh, it was great to connect with you again. And I'll speak to you very, very soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, b8bhospitality.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or Spotify, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we appreciate rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.